Well, now, kids, you can head up to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's Word to the book of Romans. We'll be in chapter 10 today. Romans chapter 10. And as you turn there, I am going to turn to Acts chapter 1 and help us reflect a bit on Pentecost Sunday. So um, hopefully you're aware of the story of Jesus to the point that you understand that the eternal Son of God was sent into our time and space in the form of a human baby. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. God, the eternal Son, becomes flesh and dwells among us. That is what we celebrate at Christmas, that our God came to us to live among us and to show us who God is and the Father's love and how we can now live our life reflecting God's perfect design as we learn to follow Jesus. So Jesus goes on to live this perfect, sinless life. He dies on the cross for our sin. And then he rises from the dead, showing that everything he said was true, that he has victory over our greatest enemies, sin, Satan, death, and even ourselves who have opposed him and gotten us into this mess in the first place. So now we see that after the resurrection of Jesus, it says in the book of Acts that Jesus appeared to his disciples over 40 days, speaking to them about the kingdom of God. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it says, While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. What is this promise? It says, he goes on to say, which, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And verse 6 says this, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so the disciples see Jesus. Can you imagine? Can you picture this with your mind's eye? They see Jesus after he gives them this, this commission that he is going to send the promise and they are going to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. They see Jesus ascend into heaven, his physical body lifted off the ground and ascends into heaven. And then they stay in Jerusalem and they wait. And they wait. And they pray and they gather and they encourage one another and they wait until we get to Acts chapter 2 when it says this. When the day of Pentecost, Pentecost refers to 50 days after Passover. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. 
And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the promise. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this this sound, the multitude came together because they were bewildered because they were all hearing this good news in their own language. And if we fast forward to the end of chapter 2, it says that after Peter and the apostles, these men and women who were sent out from the upper room into the city, speaking all of these languages that that people were familiar with because they were speaking in their own native tongue. It says that many were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen to these words. For this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. This news is for you today. It's for all of us, that that everyone who hears this news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus now receives his power to live the Jesus life and to be his witnesses because when you experience something that's really good, I'm talking really good. I'm talking point one seconds in game six in Miami. Marcus Smart heaves up a desperation. It should have gone in, but it was in and out, and everyone thinks the game is over until Derek White comes out of heaven and drops into the lane and tips it up in the Celtics force game seven. Come on, fam, and you're excited about it. Thank you. Let's get a little more excited about Jesus. Amen? Amen. This is, but this is the point, right? I mean, I, I want you to know, uh, someone, someone once said, in fact, if you, if you want a little church history, all right, uh, there, there was a famous preacher from Boston, believe it or not, in the end of the 19th century named Phillips Brooks. And Phillips Brooks' statue stands outside of Trinity Church. And he said that preaching is truth through personality. So, so I, I kind of try to hold back my basketball thoughts from you because I I know I'm like I'm bringing it so much and like some of you don't even care about sports and it's like Pastor Tanner who are the Celtics uh hopefully you know the Celtics but it's like but 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 this 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 amazing play at the end of the game I mean 0.1 seconds it was over it's too good not to talk about it's too good not to share And this is, this is how it is with, with the good news. We want to share it. We want to go out and we want to tell people because there is nothing. There's nothing more important. I love to teach my son Titus at four years old, almost five this summer, as he much as he loves basketball. I mean, he is like depressed if the Celtics lose. And he is excited beyond imagination when he finds that we get to play one more game. 
But even now I'm trying to teach him, Titus, listen, basketball is great. God is greater. There's nothing in this life that compares to knowing God and, and living for him. And so if this is the greatest news, if there is nothing more important than this, then we need to figure out how to give our lives wholeheartedly to this news, to living the Christ life with everything we've got. And so what we find here in Acts chapter 1 is that Jesus says, listen to this, listen to this. He says, you are going to receive power. Who is Jesus talking to here? He's talking to his disciples, right? The disciple is someone who follows Jesus, who has given, given their, their life control over to Jesus saying, I am following you no matter what. So, so Jesus says, you're going to receive power to the disciples. And he says, you are going to be my witnesses everywhere to the disciples. If you're a disciple, this is for you. If, if you're a disciple, you have received power. And if you are a disciple, you are God's plan to make him known. You are God's plan to make him known. And in the book of Romans, Paul unpacks how this works when we see in Acts chapter 2 that people hear the good news and they call on God's name and they are saved. Now Paul reflects and he explains how this works. And for you engineers in the room, it's pretty amazing how Paul reverse engineers this link of chain of events to explain how someone is saved when they call on God's name because they believe, because they've heard, because someone was preaching to him that they might hear because God sent them to share this good news. So look in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17 with me. It says this, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? These rhetorical questions, check them out. And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. If, if you have followed Jesus very long, I, I, I surely hope that this is not new information that you are God's plan to make Jesus known all over the world. And yet, if you're anything like me, you know that intellectually, you know that theologically, you even want that to be the reality regularly in your life, and yet, for some strange, 
unexplainable kind of reason, we don't always live out this mission as though God himself lives within us and has given us all the power we need to fulfill his plan. And what I hope to do this morning is to help us think a bit more critically about how God saves and how God wants to use us in that process to depend on the Holy Spirit that he's already given us if we follow Jesus to be about not just, listen, listen, not just be about enjoying the good news for ourselves. Listen, we should enjoy this good news. We should enjoy Jesus. The the good news is for you and for you personally. But this good news is too important not to share with the people around us. And so, so what I want to do is this. I'm actually going to get some cones. Check this out, all right? No ball handling drills today. I didn't bring my basketball. I thought about it. I thought about it. But I, did, I almost wore my Celtics jersey. I'm just like, eh, you know, maybe not today. Wait until they win the championship. Okay, okay, Marsha. So, uh, so what, I, what I hope you'll see is this. All right. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna just set these up so you can see a little bit how this works. All right? So we've got six steps in the process of God working his salvation. Lord, please don't help, please help me not trip over all these cones as I get a little excited this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, so what we find here is that there is a God who sends people to preach and communicate the good news so that people hear. And once they hear Our prayer is that they believe and will call on God's name and be saved. You got that? Six steps in the process. God sends, we preach, people hear. When they hear, our prayer is that they will believe, call on God's name, and be saved. For most of us, our problem is not comprehension. Our problem is a surrender. Our problem is a willingness to say, God, please fill me up with all of who you are so I live this Christ life in the way that you are inviting me to live it. And I want to tell you, church, I want to tell you, I have all the confidence in the world that God can take you from where you are to places you can't imagine because he is the one who is more than able, not you, not me. So let's break this down, and I'm going to give you three prayers this morning on how we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us with more of himself so that we are living out this journey more faithfully every single day. Because guess what? Pentecost Sunday reminds us that God gave us the Holy Spirit to be about not just enjoying Jesus for ourselves, but 
spreading this news all over the greatest city in the world and beyond. So what, what does Paul say first? He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then he, then he asked the rhetorical question, the first one, how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? So, so Paul says that the first thing that happens is someone is, is, is saved. That's not the first thing that happens, but it's, it's, it's the end result that, that someone is saved because they have called on God's name. What does it mean to be saved? To be saved means to be rescued. Paul, Paul talks about how that God himself, Jesus, showed up to him on the Damascus Road in Acts chapter 26. And he says, I have appointed you. I have assigned you, I have commissioned you to take my good news to the Gentiles so that they will turn from darkness to light, from death to light. From the power of Satan to the power of God. And so when someone is saved, they are rescued out of darkness. They are rescued from death because the wages of sin is death. What what our sin and rebellion gets us against God is spiritual separation that not only results in physical death one day, but spiritual death right now. And so we need God to rescue us. We need God to save us. We need God to bring us back into a relationship with himself. The Bible calls that reconciliation. We need God, as we talked about last week with our foster care witness, we need God to adopt us into his family. To say, you you, you didn't belong to my family because you turned away, but I am bringing you back and I am adopting you in to my family as a son or daughter. And, and this is a result of calling on God's name. Someone is saved, listen, and maybe this is, maybe this is you this morning, you would say, you know what, I'm not sure I am saved. I am not sure that I have moved, as your pastor saying, you're talking about from death to light, life from darkness to light. I'm not sure that when I die one day, I will spend eternity with God in heaven. How does that happen? It happens when we call on the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I I need what you have done for me in your life, death, and resurrection because you did what I can never do. You lived the perfect life I should have lived. You died the death in my place, bearing the punishment and the wrath of God for my sin, the judgment and condemnation that I deserve. Jesus, you took it so that I didn't have to take it. And then you rose from the dead to show that there is more to this life than this life. But you're inviting me into all of this. But I have to see my need for you. I have to admit that that I have done my own thing. That I am lost without you, Jesus. And I am calling on your name because what? I have believed that you are the son of God. I have believed that, Jesus, you are the way and the truth of life. Jesus, I believe that you are the living water, that if I drink from you, Jesus, I will never thirst again. 
And so listen again, if you're, if you're here this morning and, and you have this ache in your soul, you have this longing for meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and satisfaction that seems to never get filled up. Jesus is saying that the reason for that is because I am the bread of life. I'm the one that can satisfy you. I am the living water. I'm the one who can satisfy this thirst, this ache in your soul. In all of this, listen, all of this, this this passage is more relevant to, to Pentecost Sunday than you might imagine because if we flip back to Joel chapter 2, starting in verse 28, this is what it says. Listen to this. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. We just read about that in Acts chapter 2, right? And it says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. God, do it again. Do it again. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's right here. Joe prophesied it. As the Spirit comes... The Spirit will empower the sons and daughters of God to move out to let people know so that they will believe and call on his name and be saved. Now listen, I've been the pastor of this church, one of the pastors of this church, for 12 years. And, and we, we are a church, we've always been a church on the move. We are a church that loves our city. We are a church that cares about people knowing Jesus. This has never changed. This is why we started the church in the first place. So that more people can know what we know about Christ. And we have had seasons where we are more active, more faithful, more on the move than others. So, so what I want to say is this, because I, I ask this question all the time. I ask the Lord, and I ask about my own life. Listen, I ask this about my own life. God, what's up with me? You, you know I care about this, God. You, you know, like, I moved to Boston to let people know about Jesus. I certainly care about making Jesus known. And so I want to say this, because I think this is going to fit your heart if you're a follower of Jesus. It's, it's not that you do not want people to be saved. I know if the Spirit of God is within you, you want people to be saved. But but here's what I believe about about Pastor Tanner. Pastor Tanner needs to want people to be saved more. Does, Does that resonate? Like, you want people to know Jesus, but you need to want people to know Jesus more. 
And so the first prayer that we're going to pray on this Pentecost Sunday, I hope you're going to write it in your journal because the notes are not online because God said to preach this yesterday. And so here are my sermon notes right here in my journal. You wouldn't be able to read it if I snapped a picture anyway. So write it down. Spirit, give me a deeper desire. Spirit, give me a deeper desire for people to be saved. I dare you. Listen, listen, church. I dare you to start praying that prayer. And it's a dangerous, listen, it's a dangerous prayer. It's, it's going to cost you something if God fills you with more of a desire, and yet it's going to bring more blessing and adventure than you can imagine. And so, listen, why, why okay, why is it, Pastor Tanner, that you're talking about deeper desire from Romans 10 when desire is nowhere in verses 13 through 17? That's a great question. Because it's in the first verse. Look at this. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire. My heart's desire. This is what I long for down deep in my soul is what? Is that my, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. And, and he goes on and look at this. Uh, Actually, before this in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, some of the most convicting verses in the Bible. God, help us to be able to say this. Help us to be able to pray this. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish... That I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Let, let me translate that. Paul had such a desire. He had such a deep desire for the people he was meeting in the marketplace, for his family members who were still entrapped in the old ways of Judaism that he could say, I would trade my salvation for theirs. I could wish that I was cut off, although that can't happen. Once God saves us, he keeps us and he holds us and he helps us persevere. But this gets at the, the, the level of desire that Paul had. And so how can we cultivate this in our lives? Let me, let me give just a couple of encouragements. Number one, we pray for it. We pray for it. This is a spirit, give me a deeper desire for people to be saved. We, we talked about this earlier in the year. We talk about it all the time. Redemption, if you've been part of our church for very long, that we want to pray for people in our life who are close to us and yet far from God. And so we challenge at the beginning of the year, do you remember this? Pray for three. Pray for three. Like you know hundreds of people. You may know thousands of people in Medford and greater Boston. That's wonderful. Good for you. Just start with three. And pray for those three people. And you know what happens? 
You know what happens? This is so cool, by the way. Even in, when you have conflict with a brother or sister in Christ or a family member or whatever, okay, when you start praying for someone, God starts doing crazy things in your heart where you start looking at that person a little differently. Amen? Oh, man, it's hard. We don't even want to say amen to that. It's like, sometimes I don't want to look at them differently, Lord, because I'm upset with them and they did me wrong. It's like, whatever. It's like, and when we pray for the people in our lives, by name, when we start telling God about them, yes, he already knows. Why does God lead us and ask us to pray? Maybe God is more interested in changing us. Pray for three. But then number two, listen, spend time with them. Spend time with these people you're praying for. I mean, this is, this is not, this is not science, like rocket science. Okay, this, is, this isn't crazy, you know, like complex. Like how do you like love people in Jesus' name? And how do you get a deeper desire? Spend time. I mean, thank God it's like 80 plus degrees out here today. I mean, Marcia's talking about going to the beach this afternoon. We can go hiking. We can do whatever. I mean, this year we're talking about bless. What? Begin with prayer, listen, eat with others, serve and share. So we all eat, right? And guess what? Our summer vision, you're going you're gonna, to uh, hear at the end of the, the service today that there's an interest form for some different serve opportunities this summer. There's an interest form for leading some prayer walks this summer. There is an interest form for you, listen to this, for you to say, I want to host a cookout with a few of my RHC friends and a few of my non-RHC friends, and we're going to give you a $100 stop and shop scholarship. That's kind of funny, right? Whatever. We're going to give you $100 to go buy the meat or whatever you need to make that happen, to just give you a boost, to make it easy, to hang out with your friends and to love them in Jesus' name. And so, so we're praying, Spirit, give me a deeper desire for people to be saved. But then we see that, that Paul goes on in Romans 10, and he says, How are they to believe in of whom they have never heard, and how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And so, so people are saved because they have heard the gospel from someone that is communicating the gospel to them. The, the good news comes in real, audible words. I mean, sure, yeah, it might be inaudible. They might be reading on the page because you gave them a resource, gave them a Bible or whatever, and God can certainly save them just for them reading the truth, of course, without you even, even saying a word. Try it. But the point is that it is the message of the gospel that brings salvation. This is what Paul says in verse 17 when he says, So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And, and one of my, one of my uh, friends who's like a big brother in ministry, uh, who, who's leading a great church on the South Shore, who, quite frankly, they're, they're seeing dozens and hundreds of people step into the life of Christ year after year after year. And one thing that he says about this, this assignment for all of us to be about the business of pointing people to Jesus, to communicating the good news so that more people can hear is that the assignment is simply about keeping the conversation going. 
I'm telling you, listen, I know it takes courage to step out in faith and have one conversation. And yet, that, just to give you a heads up, and we prayed that that first conversation is one I was like, yes, this is the news that I've been waiting for my entire life. But that's probably not going to be the case. So, so, so this assignment to point people to Jesus is about keeping the conversation going. It might not be the second, third, or fourth conversation, but maybe the 12th, 13th, or 14th conversation where the light bulbs really start to go off and people see, you know what, these objections that I had about Jesus and these, these beliefs that seem to defeat the claims of Christianity, they're not so solid after all, but the, but the truth claims of Jesus are not only intellectually credible as our brother Tim Keller who just passed said, but they're existentially satisfying, meaning that they satisfy us down to the depths of our being. I want in on that. I want in on it. Thank you, Tina, for a couple amens over here on the right today. All right. It's like, but, but, it, but it might take a while. And we have to keep sharing the good news. We, we point people any way we can. Isaiah chapter 52 tells us where Paul's mind was as he says in verse 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Look at what it says in Isaiah 52. I'm going to explain this as I run through it. Listen. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for there shall no more come into you the circumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust and arise. Be seated, O Jerusalem. Loose the bonds from your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. You're like, Tanner, what's going on in Isaiah 52? That, that last phrase clues us in. Captive daughter of Zion. The, the Israelites were in Babylonian and Assyrian captivity. They were carried off from their homeland, living in exile. They were removed from Zion, removed from their homeland in Jerusalem, in Israel. But God's saying, put on strength. Because in verse 3, it says, you were sold for nothing, yet you shall be redeemed without money. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to bring you back. For thus says the Lord, my people went down at first into Egypt, oppressed and enslaved the first time. And the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. Now, therefore, what have I here, declares the Lord. I love, I love how God talks in the Old Testament. Seeing that my people are taken away for nothing, their rulers well, declares the Lord. And continually all the day my name is despised. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, in that day, listen, in that day they shall know that it is I who speak. Here I am. How beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of of those who bring good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness. Our gospel is good news. It is a gospel and good news of peace. It is a gospel and good news of joy and happiness, what people are looking for. These people say to Zion, your God reigns over everything. The voice of your watchmen, they lift up their voice. Together they sing for joy. For eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Break forth into singing, you waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord bared his holy arm, the strength of the Lord, before the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. 
That's good news. I mean, can you imagine? Think about what's happening in Ukraine right now. People displaced, living as, as refugees in other countries. We see this in other places in the world where people are, are suffering under oppression, tyrannical rulers. Can you imagine if we were displaced from our home for, for not just months, but years, decades, and we get to be brought back? That's good news. And what Paul is, is saying here in light of Jesus bringing us out of the ultimate exile and displacement from our spiritual home with God our Father is that this news is better than that news. And we get to be the ones that carry it, that run with it, that have beautiful feet. I, I don't know how long it took my dense head to not just read the verse, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, but to really consider that God gives us feet so that we would move these feet, so that we would go places, so that we would carry this news to the people around us. And so again, as I shared, that it's, it's not that we don't want people to be saved, it's that we, we, we need to want to more. I'll say this. I don't think that we don't share because we don't know how. I think for most of us, we need to simply practice what we know more. And so we pray this prayer, Spirit, lead me to make more moves to point people to Jesus. Spirit, lead me to make more moves, to move with these beautiful feet that you've given me so that I can point more and more people to Jesus. And so what might this look like? We've shared this before. I'm going to read it super fast and share it again. 26 ways to point people to Jesus. Is it great to communicate the, the entire gospel story as we're sitting across from someone or going on a hike or whatever? Absolutely, absolutely. We need to look for opportunities to do that. But, but, but we reduce pointing people to Jesus to having a 10 to 30 to 60 minute conversation and we miss 1,000 opportunities that we could have other ways. So let me just give you a few. I might not give you all 26. Let's see what the spirit leads. All right, number one, invite someone to, someone to worship. I'm not gonna explain all these. I think they will be self-explanatory. Serve someone and sh share why. Pray with someone. That's pointing them to Jesus as you pray over them. Study the Bible with someone. Just You would be amazed how many people have never really read the Bible and studied it for themselves. We share the gospel, share a sermon, share a worship service link, share a podcast, share your story of what God is doing in your life. Share your 15-second story. We've equipped you with that in the past. Share a story of how God is changing you like right now that God is doing some things in your life these days because you're not perfect. Amen? Somebody said amen, right? <laughs> your, your spouse or your roommate said amen. Uh, so he's changing us. We share our daily God encounters of what God is showing and teaching you in your life on the daily. We share a gospel booklet. We give someone a Bible. We give someone a copy of a gospel. It doesn't even have to be all 66 books. 
We give or loan someone a book that we've read that points people to, to Christ. We discuss a cultural event sharing aspects of the Christian worldview. We share an article or story to start a conversation. We can share a song that is uplifting and points people to Jesus. We can share an inspiring Bible verse that relates to them. We can share a YouTube talk, a short YouTube gospel video. We can send a message of care and encouragement and mention our faith. We can share an intentional public social media post. We can share a private message or share on social media. And then as we say, we can just be honest about what's going on in our lives. Did you get all those 26 ways? Great job. You're awesome. Um, so listen, listen, I hope you just get the point there that, that there are many ways. Many ways. Start small. It's okay. Listen, I, I know sometimes like this con- conventional wisdom to say, whatever's toughest, like go do that first and then everything else is easy. But what I'm going to tell you today is as you're praying for those three people, choose the one that is easiest for you and just take a step over the next seven days. We're going to share more about how to keep the conversation going when you come to the Share Jesus Equip uh, on June 20th or 21st or whatever it is. It's on our website, all right, because we're going to teach you how to ask good questions just like Jesus did. There were probing questions and personal questions and provocative questions that he would ask people to draw out their hearts and their thinking of where they are in their spiritual journey, and then he would insert the truth in a timely manner. As we carry this good news, we need to be reminded that as those who have been sent to preach that others may hear, listen to this. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no mathematician. I did decent in math, but not that good. I think my... Middle school daughters are almost to the point where I left off in high school. I'm just saying that's how good I did in math. But nevertheless, I know this. I know this. The more we share, the more they will be saved. That is the mathematics of the kingdom. The more we share... The more they were here and believe and call on God's name to be saved. On the flip side, the less we share, the less they will be saved. And so we're praying this whole year, listen, God, make us a church on the move. Make us, God, because I'm not going to do it in myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose comfort because that's easier. But, but God, not comfortable, but courageous. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit so that more of heaven will touch my neighborhood and my workplace and this city so that as I am serving people in your name and loving people in your name, that more people are being pointed to Jesus so that more people can believe and receive Jesus. Then number three, listen, this all happens. This all happens because there is a God who loves us and has an incredible plan for his people and his creation, and he is the one who is sending us out. 
God sends, we preach, they hear so that they might believe and call on his name and be saved. Don't doubt for a second that God has sent you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. John chapter 20, verse 21. As the Father sent me, even so, I am sending you. Maybe, just maybe, this morning, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the real God who is really present right here, right now, in this room. Maybe God's whispering to your heart saying, I'm sending you again. I'm sending you again to those people that have been on your mind for the last 42 minutes. I'm sending you again. I know you want to see them saved, but I'm going to give you the grace to want that more. I know you know how to tell people about me, but I am going to give you the strength to move out to practice what you know even more. And as you have beautiful feet and you are sent out, commissioned by God, you are going to pray this prayer, Spirit, put in me a clearer conviction that I have been sent by God to love the people around me. To pray that prayer, Spirit, put in me a clearer conviction to deeply believe that you have sent me out to love the people around me. Because last time I checked, listen, last time I checked, the good news is all about the love of God. It's all about the fact that God loves us in spite of our rebellion, in spite of us doing our own thing. God still loves us, but God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. And so what, what is going to help us get there to live the Jesus life more and more in the fullness of the Spirit as the Spirit fills us with a deeper desire to make more moves out of a clear conviction that we have been sent by God? It's keeping our eyes focused and fixed on Jesus. When Jesus called his first disciples, he said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Don't follow, don't follow a pastor. Don't follow a, a, a way of doing things. Don't follow this denomination or that. I'm not saying pastors are bad. Hello. Hope, hopefully that's someone good out there. Um, he said, follow me. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'll help you draw people in to the heart of God to experience all that God wants for them. And so I want to ask you this morning as we bring our time to the close, I'll clear out these cones and Jonas and Becky comes out. Where is God sending you? And to whom is God sending you? We're going to have a time of prayer just to call on 
God's name, to sing songs of worship, but we're also going to have a prayer team down here. There may be a person on your heart that you want to bring before God, and you don't even need to pray with anyone else. You just need to come and, and kneel and pray for them as we call on God's name. Maybe there is something in your life. Maybe there's a barrier that you feel or sense that you're just asking God to free you from so that you can be filled to, to move out with the, the kind of love that God has placed within you through Christ. And you want to have someone pray with you about that. However God is leading, let's draw near to him as we seek his face together. Father, we are grateful for your word. God, we're grateful that you have a beautiful plan and we're amazed that you have included us in that plan. And so, God, on this Pentecost Sunday, we ask, Lord, that these would be more than words, Lord, that, that we're just hearing for a bit of time. But they would be words from your heart to our heart. That your Holy Spirit would lead us to really pray these kind of prayers to say, Spirit, give me a deeper desire. Move me out. Jesus, I'm praying it if no one else is praying. I know you are. I know they are, God. But I'm just going to be one person who is sincerely praying today. God, I'm ready for this summer. I'm ready for my, my time to shift. I'm ready to reflect this on my calendar that I am going to spend more time with people who are far from you yet close to me. But, Spirit, I need you to help me make moves to point people to you. I need a clearer conviction, Holy Spirit, that I have been sent by the God of the universe who is sovereign over every detail of our lives and this city and the people that I love. To go love them in your name. So Father, fill us up now. Move us to pray. God, if there's a hard heart, let, let me just say this, God, wherever there's hard pieces of our heart, God, would you soften them? Soften them, Lord. Every single one of us are professionals at making excuses, particularly when it comes to this matter that matters most. God, I am tired of not seeing more people step into the life of Christ through this church. God, I am not okay with there not being a demand for baptism Sundays because we are so frequently pointing people to Jesus that it would be next to impossible for dozens of people not to step into the life of Christ over the course of 2023. So, God, we know your heart, Lord, and we're, we're, we're expectant, Lord, that you are going to fill us. You are going to strengthen us. You are going to help us to put those dates on the calendar, to have the cookouts, to go on the hikes, to do whatever. As we follow you. So help us sing right now. Help us move and respond. As you lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.